doctors don't have a clear understanding of it. It started opening up my mind to like, how does the human body work? This is a real thing that really affects people. This is a major pain. Welcome to Major Pain. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury, and this week we'll be speaking with Zoe about POTS, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, and EDS, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, of which Zoe has the hypermobile variety. We've talked to a few people with both of these conditions so far on the podcast, but even with the same disease, each person's journey through chronic illness is always so unique and so fascinating to me, and this was no exception. I was really looking forward to talking to Zoe because she's someone that I follow on TikTok, and I've seen her advocacy and all the great work she's doing on that platform, someone I felt like I knew a little bit already, so it was really fun to be able to sit down and chat. Zoe will tell us about being hit back to back to back by COVID, a concussion, and mono last February at the beginning of 2021. These major stresses on her body led to a flare-up of not just EDS, but also POTS, and it was because of this flare-up that she was finally able to get diagnosed with EDS, having been experiencing chronic pain since as early as first grade. And something so interesting Zoe said was, you know, being a first grader and experiencing chronic pain, she just thought that everyone else lived that way as well. And I think it's so interesting to think about the fact that we only live in our own bodies, and the way we experience the world is how we assume everyone else is experiencing the world, but that is often very far from being true. Zoe will tell us about how she's been working towards a degree in music education, but the changing nature of her physical state because of EDS has her thinking about changing her future plans as well. And this is something that, you know, is so relatable to anyone with chronic illness, this idea of having to change what you plan to do with your future because your body will not allow your original plans to come to pass. But we'll also talk about how that can open new doors and new pathways that you would never expect to walk through. And just because you can't do what you'd originally planned doesn't mean you can't live a happy, fulfilling life. So this was an absolutely fantastic conversation. Zoe did a really great job. I'm very excited to share it with you, and we'll get to it in just a couple minutes. I have some great stuff to share with you with our growing Major Pain community across several different platforms. So first of all, let's talk about Patreon. We have a new uh, Patreon supporter this week. Thank you so much, Stitch Spin, for signing up at the $2 per month supporter tier. I appreciate it so much. Uh, Stitch Spin, you now have access to all of our bonus episodes, and I'm very excited for you to be joining the community. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. If you are interested in supporting this show on Patreon, there are three tiers of support, the $2 supporter tier, the $7 patron tier, and the $25 per month producer tier. Thank you so much to our four $25 per month Patreon producers, Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Ensign Q, and Trish O'Brien. Your support is massive in helping to keep this podcast going. If you'd like to learn more or sign up to support the show, you can head to patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast. Another fantastic way to support this show is by leaving a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And we got a great new review and five-star rating this week from Hipster Leia. Hipster Leia writes, Just what I need right when I needed it. I'm going through my own diagnostic journey to put a name to my major pain. Listening to this podcast has helped me keep a positive attitude about the process. It's so great to know that I'm not alone. 
Hipster Leia, thank you so much for that review. That really means a lot to me because, you know, that's a huge, huge part of why I started this show is that I went through that alone for so long and that was so hard for me. And I just wanted the next generation of people being diagnosed to not have to do that alone. So to find out that that is happening really, really makes me happy. I'm so glad to hear that you're enjoying the show. Thank you for the five-star rating. And Hipster Leia, if you ever want to come on the podcast and talk about your diagnostic journey, please feel free to send me an email, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. And that really goes for anyone who is a listener of this show. I'm always looking for people to interview. I do have interviews scheduled out, uh, filling up most of February at this point, but I'm looking to schedule into March. And, you know, I'm, I'm just always looking for people with unique stories, interesting stories, rare diseases we haven't covered, uh, or even diseases we have covered with different experience. You know, I, I want to I wanna talk to all of you. <laughs> so, yes, feel free to email me, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. We got a couple of new comments on our website on last week's episode. So last week we spoke with Janelle about CRPS, Complex Regional Pain Syndrome. And Janelle herself actually left us a comment on the episode. It says, Jesse, thank you so much for having me on. You made my first time being interviewed comfortable, fun, and easy. Conversation flowed, yet you pulled me back when I had a moment of major ADHD and jumping all around. <laughs> thank you. If any of your listeners would like to learn more about or sign up as a member of NP the National Pain Council, they can do so at nationalpaincouncil.org. I'll be sharing this interview and your website on all my social media accounts. Until next time, hashtag we are one. Janelle, thank you so much. I really appreciate you sharing the episode. And yes, if anyone is interested in the National Pain Council, uh, definitely head to nationalpaincouncil.org. You can find out more about what Janelle is doing, her work with that important organization, trying to get pain patients connected with the pain medication that they need. We also got a comment from Crystal on that same episode. Thank you for your advocacy. Thank you, Janelle, for your activism and work with the National Pain Council, which I support every month, by the way, and on behalf of chronic pain patients everywhere. Absolutely, Crystal. Thank you so much for that comment. As far as my own diagnostic journey is concerned, I finally have my liver biopsy scheduled for next week. For anyone who's unfamiliar with my situation, I seem to have something wrong with my copper processing in my body, and we're st still trying to figure out if my body is holding on to too much copper or if I have too little copper in my body. We're not totally sure. We still haven't been able to get conclusive results from my diagnostic testing, and a liver biopsy is one of the last lines of defense as far as trying to figure this out. Uh, it's one of the last things that they recommend you do in this diagnostic process because it is the most dangerous, but I'm at the point where none of the rest of the diagnostic testing has been conclusive enough to show whether or not my copper is high or low or maybe even normal. We really can't tell, so we have to do this test, and it's been a couple of months of me trying to get it scheduled and I finally heard back and it's scheduled for next week, next Wednesday. So this might actually interrupt the flow of the podcast. I'm not totally sure what's going to happen. Um, I'm going to attempt to get a show out next week and the week after as planned. But if I have a bad recovery from the, uh, from the liver biopsy or if I, uh, there's a little bit of prep that I need to do. And if I'm not feeling well enough because of the prep that I have to do, there might not be a show next week. Not totally sure at this point, uh, but I will keep you updated on TikTok and Instagram, our, um, our social media platforms that I use for the show. And you can find us on both at Major Pain Podcast. But, you know, fingers crossed that I might have an update about my diagnostic journey coming up soon. I... Last time I thought I was getting an update, I didn't get one. And it's possible that that will happen again, that it will still be inconclusive, you know. 
I, I don't know. I really don't know. I'm really hoping for some conclusive results to find out what exactly is going on with my copper levels and if it is something that is treatable or even something at all. So, <laughs> yeah, so fingers crossed. And I'm not 100% sure if there will be a show next week or the week after. Uh, there might be one, but not the other, or there might be both, or there might be neither. I just wanted to let you know ahead of time, just because I'm wading into uncharted territories here. I'm not sure what to expect. And if I am laid up because of the biopsy, I don't want anyone to be uh, surprised that there is not a podcast that, that week. So, uh, yeah, hopefully I'll get shows out. I've actually had, got a really good track record since this show started. I have not missed an episode due to illness, which shocks me, absolutely shocks me. <laughs> I never thought that that was possible for me, and I've really surprised myself, which is really exciting. Um, but it could, you know, it's going to happen eventually, I'm sure. I am chronically ill. I'm sure at some point it will prevent me from getting an episode out. It could happen in the next week or two, so just wanted to give you a heads up. And the last thing I'll say before we jump into our fantastic episode with Zoe is that Zoe and myself, we are not medical professionals. So please do not take any medical action based off what you hear in this podcast without first consulting your doctor. All right, well, let's jump into our conversation with Zoe about POTS, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, and Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Zoe, welcome to the podcast. Hi, how are you? I am great. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Uh, you're yeah. another person that I've gotten to know a bit through TikTok. And it's just always so surreal when people, you know, start responding to the things I'm saying to them. <laughs> yep. Nope. I feel the same exact way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Zoe, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm Zoe. She, her pronouns. I live in New York. I'm 20 years old. I am currently a music music education student at Ithaca College. Uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that after, but that's been a roller coaster of a ride. <laughs> and in my free time, I really love to knit. I love it. I go back and forth between hobbies, uh, but right now I'm really into knitting. Uh, I do TikTok in my free time, which has been so good to help me kind of gain control of my chronic illness situation. So yeah, it's a little bit about me. Yeah, awesome. What's the uh, what's your proudest knitting accomplishment? A sweater. Wow. I, yeah. <laughs> I've been knitting since I was in first grade. And for <laughs> some reason, it I just never wanted to knit a sweater because I was like knitting knitting toys and like like headbands when I was little. And so I just finished a sweater. Wow. And so I'm starting another one and it turned out great. I didn't have a pattern or anything. And it was, it, yeah, I'm very proud of it. <laughs> wow. Very impressive. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, and you're a musician as well. I didn't, I didn't realize that. Yeah. I'm a vocalist. Oh, awesome. Very cool. When did you start singing? Oh, goodness. Uh, forever. I mean, my dad used to play guitar, so I used to like sing with him. And then I used to do musical theater in elementary and middle and high school. And then I realized that I could not belt for the life of me. So I switched to classical music. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> do you have a favorite composer? Uh, no, not really. I should like classical music more than I do, but yeah. I'm not too into classical music or any composer in general. So yeah, it's yeah, interesting. I just like indie yeah, music. I was a, uh, a music major and did a lot of music history classes. And 
um, it's it's just studying like the history of music. It's so interesting how s- tastes have changed. You know, like classical music still exists. There are still people writing new works for symphonic orchestra and all that stuff. But um, but it, the general population doesn't listen to it anymore it's so interesting because there's so many like master works and even i i mean i love so much of it but i just don't listen to it you know i'm just Mm -hmm. listening to podcasts (laughs) (laughs) same same (laughs) yeah so yeah i should also listen to music more than i do but podcasts for the win (laughs) yeah absolutely well i just i love having i love having voices on i think with chronic pain it's like one of my favorite distraction techniques. Like if I'm having a hard time falling asleep or if I'm cooking breakfast or like taking a shower, I got podcasts on all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, definitely throughout quarantine, I like lost my social connection with everyone. I feel mm. like everyone did. Yeah. And I feel like podcasts filled that void. I don't know if that's good or bad, but <laughs> it really, really helped. <laughs> Yeah. Well, speaking of podcasts, we are on one right now. (laughs) So let's get into this. Zoe, what is your major pain? My major pains are POTS, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, and EDS, which is Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. And I know people on here have had those conditions and explained them, but I'll explain them too. I wrote them down so I could be as... Yeah. Uh, Okay. So postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, it's a type of autonomic dysfunction that affects blood flow. So when you stand up, the blood vessels don't constrict as much as they should, or you might just not have the normal amount of blood. So not enough blood gets to your brain. So that causes lightheadedness and fainting and a lot of other symptoms. (laughs) And then Ehlers-Danlos syndrome is a hereditary disorder that affects the collagen in your body. So the skin, connective tissue, teeth, ligaments, bones, tendons, muscles, they're all affected by that. Yeah, well, well explained. And yeah, like you said, we've, we've talked to a couple people on the show uh, with both conditions, but p- part of the fascination for me with this show is how different everyone's story is. Um, even with the same conditions, you know, everyone's history and journey with, with chronic illness is unique. And I'm excited to learn about yours. So let's, let's get into that. When did, when did your health problems first arise? My goodness. Um, they probably arose a lot younger than I thought they did. Um, so last February, I had COVID. And then mm. in March, I got a concussion. And then in April, I got mono. And that <laughs> put me into a major flare-up. Like, wow. it was so bad. For a while, I didn't know I had mono because I guess after COVID, Epstein-Barr reactivation is very normal, mm. but no one told me that. And so I thought I was getting, like, chronic fatigue syndrome because I could not walk. I had to have a cane. I had to drag myself up the stairs, so I was getting so scared. Thankfully, it was just mono. But after that, it, like, I had so much pain and I was like, my pots just flared so much. And so I was like, okay, I need to get this figured out because something in me was like, okay, this probably won't go away. Something is wrong here. So I started setting up doctor's appointments and my primary care doctor, I'm so glad I had her because a lot of doctors will either know pots or EDS. Not a lot of people know both. And my doctor knew both and she knew a lot about them. And I had no idea. I knew what both were. And I was looking into both as things that, oh, maybe this could be wrong. 
Um, or maybe this is the answer. And uh, so I went to her and she was like, I think you might have POTS and EDS. And I was like, okay, POTS, like I can see that, but EDS, I thought, I thought those, uh, I thought like, I thought all the symptoms of EDS had to be presented from when you were a child. Hmm. And I guess symptoms can set on from like concussions or viruses or just even from age or pregnancy. And I had no idea. So I'm so thankful she was there. And so, yeah, after that, I got diagnosed with POTS and EDS. And thank God I did. <laughs> wow. You had quite a, quite a year. You said it was last year in February that you got COVID? Yeah. How, how yeah. was your... Okay, so let, I'm thinking that's pre-vaccine, right? Yeah, it was crazy because I have asthma. Not that bad, but I was scheduled to get the COVID vaccine early because of my asthma and I was scheduled the week I got COVID. It was, wow. so my mom, since she's a professor, she had already gotten her first vaccine. So she, when she got COVID, it was fine. She didn't get any symptoms, it was great. But my dad, my sister and me, we hadn't had our vaccines yet. So first of all, we had to cancel those. And then we all get, got so sick, it was not fun. <laughs> wow, and that must have been, OG COVID, like the original strain. I think that was pre-Delta, yeah. right? Yes, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, you're a pioneer. You're a COVID pioneer. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about your your COVID infection. How long did it last and and how bad did it get for you? It wasn't too bad. It was only a week or two. Um <laughs> I was doing college online though, so I still had to go to all my classes, which was not fun. I just slept through all of them. <laughs> um, but it didn't get too bad. It really mm. wasn't the worst. My dad got it not great. He, he was the worst out of all of us. He like had lower oxygen levels, but, um, all of us recovered fine. It didn't look like any of us were going to have any long lasting COVID symptoms, but, um, it was, it was weird because while I had COVID the day I found out I had COVID, I saw a TikTok of someone saying they got uh, an autoimmune disease from COVID. Yeah. And I just had this sinking feeling of like, if this is going to happen, it's probably going to happen to me. And so <laughs> in that moment, yeah. I was like, this is not going to be a good year. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And yeah. at this point now, I know we're jumping to now in your story, but do you feel like you've had any long haul COVID symptoms or is it kind of hard to tell inside of this you being diagnosed with a couple of other you know chronic conditions it's it's really really difficult to tell um my parents definitely think i have it um i have been diagnosed with long covid but i i mean that diagnosis doesn't really mean anything except that i have some of the symptoms of it which the symptoms of it also have to do with pots and eds because i mean people right. are getting pots from covid too oh really i haven't um, heard that before Oh yeah, it's 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 really crazy how many people are getting autonomic dysfunction from it. It's interesting, like yeah. staggering oh, numbers. It's a wild time yeah. to be alive. But I know. I, you know, the thing I'll say is is that there are a lot of reports right now, and I think I've said this on the show before. And who knows if this is true? You know, obviously I'm not a medical professional, but um, I'm always I'm the optimist, and I've been dealing with you know these chronic health symptoms for years and years. And I've heard from 
like a lot of articles that I've seen and, you know, a friend of my dad who's a medical researcher said this similar thing that um, because of long haul COVID, we now have this massive population of people who are chronically ill, who have long lasting symptoms because of a viral infection. And that could have massive repercussions on the chronic illness community as a whole because so much research is being done right now where there might be new therapies and breakthroughs that happen in our lifetimes because of this. So, you know, obviously having a chronic illness is not something that anyone wants, but having one and then screaming into the darkness, this is real, I swear, and having no one believe you and no one researching anything is a very different situation than what we're in now where it's like, yeah, this is now well known and a lot of people are looking into it and researching it. So who knows what's around the corner with that? Yeah, oh, it's. I hate that so many people are getting POTS and then chronic fatigue syndrome and yeah, I don't, I wasn't listening to my mom this morning. I feel so bad. I was listening to actually your podcast. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> she mom. Said something. <laughs> she said something about how like uh, people are getting COVID and then underlying conditions are coming out hmm. from it. And yeah, I, I hate it. But at the same time, might be a good thing for us. <laughs> yeah, who knows? You know, sometimes, sometimes some of the, b the best things come from the worst things. And sometimes yeah. not. Who knows? Yeah. Life is random. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Next was your concussion. What was your concussion? Oh, okay. So before COVID, I really got into roller skating. I have these hobbies. I just pick up and then put down <laughs> after three months. And so I was really into roller skating and there's a skate park nearby. So I had a helmet on. I was fully protected because, yeah. Um, but... I tried to like do a drop down into the bowl mm. and didn't do it properly and hit my head. Thankfully, I had a helmet on, uh, so I didn't think anything was wrong. I didn't black out. I didn't really get a headache afterwards for a few hours. Um, my tailbone hurt, but otherwise it was fine. And then three days afterwards, I realized that I had had a headache for three days and then it had turned into a migraine. And I'm like, Hey mom, I think I might have a concussion. And she's like, oh yeah, you probably do. <laughs> but because she's a PT, she was like, well, if we go to the doctor or you didn't pass out, they're not going to do anything. Mm. So we waited a month and my symptoms had like progressed a lot since then. I like the second week of my concussion, I was getting so dizzy because from my EDS, I have like weird neck pain. I think I might have some type of craniocervical instability. I have not been diagnosed, but that's just what my symptoms present as. And so I'm thinking from the concussion, it made my uh, craniocervical instability worse, which resulted in a lot of dizziness and a bunch of other symptoms. And thankfully, because my mom is a PT, she was like leading me and doing some exercises and that just made it a lot better. And so at the month, month's end, I was like, okay, we need to go to the, doc to the doctor right now because it's not getting any better and I just need to figure out if it might be something else. So we went to the doctor and she confirmed, yeah, it is a concussion. It's not a bad one because you didn't black out, whatever. And I was like, great. And then she asked me how bad my headaches were. And I was like, well, compared to my daily headaches, they're probably like a six. And she was like, what do you mean your daily headaches? You're not supposed to have daily headaches. <laughs> yeah. And that was like, 
when I started to realize that I had chronic pain because I mean, I, I like, I know now that I've had chronic pain since at least first grade because wow. I remember having back pain in first grade, but uh, I thought just all of us first graders were suffering together. Yeah. <laughs> and so when I realized that I was like, like something, something is wrong here. Like I, I must have like, something else going on because why else would I have chronic pain? So I got a brain MRI. Everything was great as tests normally are. And so <laughs> I, I kept pushing because I was like, if I'm going to get this figured out, it's going to be right now. And when I was, I think 16, um, I started digging because I kind of figured out I had POTS then because every time when I stood up, I would like black out a little bit. My vision would go black. I couldn't walk really well, but then it would like go away. I've never fainted, which is great. But I looked it up and it was like, okay, it's probably POTS, but it's not too bad. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell anyone about it because it doesn't really matter. So when this came around and I was getting my pot symptoms were getting worse with my concussion. I was like, okay, let's get this figured out. So of course I went to my doctor and she was like, yeah, could be pots. And then I think it was like a month and a half into my concussion. I'm like going back and forth on the timeline. Sorry. But a month and a half into my concussion, I started getting awful joint pain. It was so weird because I went to a neurologist and he was like, you should not really be having joint pain with a concussion. And I was like, well, what else could it be? And, and so we were thinking, okay, it's probably long COVID. Um, but something in, I have a lot of gut feelings and my gut feeling was that it wasn't long COVID. And so I, of course, started Googling because what else do you do? <laughs> and so I started Googling and... Jumping even further back <laughs> in, in college, my first year of college, I had a roommate and they had EDS and they were very hypermobile. Their skin was very soft. They got a lot of stretch marks. And so I was like, I filed that away. I was like, oh, EDS, that is a disorder. And so I had looked it up a few times and I kind of resonated with some of the symptoms because it's like easy bruising and I have so many bruises. I bruise so easily and like soft skin. And I'm like, of course I have soft skin who doesn't. And so it was all these things, but I'm like, okay, I obviously don't have chronic pain. I did, but I'm like, it, I don't have chronic pain. So I'm going to file this away for later. And then when I started getting joint pain, it came back and I was like, I kind of meet all the criteria right now. So maybe this is it. And so, but I was really doubting myself until I saw my doctor and she was like, it, it seems like EDS because it can come on after a concussion. I did have a lot of the symptoms beforehand. It just got a lot worse after that. And so, yeah, I got diagnosed with that and yeah. Wow. So, so you're, I, it's so interesting you talking about like experiencing this chronic pain from early on and not really recognizing that that's what it was 
You know, I think that's a similar theme that's come up before. I remember Morgan talking about that a little bit, who was the first person we talked to on the show with uh, EDS, about how when I feel like when we're younger, we assume that what we're experiencing is what everyone is experiencing. You know, it, it takes a lot of being proved wrong over and over to realize that that's not true. Um, so it makes a lot of sense that, you know, like uh, aches and pains, like we all experience aches and pains. And it's kind of hard to know when that has turned into chronic pain or if it has turned into chronic pain until it gets worse. And yeah, that's the frustrating yeah. thing in this whole situation is like, you know, I, I experience this all the time as well. It's like, yeah, we can't prove what's going on until it gets worse and we can find evidence that something is wrong, yes. you know? <laughs> like, yeah, I, in the beginning of all of this, I felt really angry at myself for getting a concussion because I, like, didn't drop into the bowl right. And I was like, this is totally my fault. Like, would I be in this situation if I hadn't done that, if I hadn't got a concussion? Um, but at the same time, I don't know if I still would have gotten all the symptoms if I just had COVID. Mm -hmm. um, and so that sucks. But also at the same time, I am really glad it was this point in my life that I found out about all this because I was able to finish out the semester because it was all online. Mm. And I was able to lay down in class and like take naps and then just i don't know yeah i really think i would have like failed the semester if it wasn't online yeah <laughs> and yeah so it yeah it was a little bit of like having to forgive myself for that because i it would have come on eventually i'm sure and uh I, i'm very glad it's at this point in my life that it happened. <laughs> yeah. And you know, no one, you should never have to apologize for living, you know, like go roller skating. That's fantastic. <laughs> you know, like sometimes you, you do have to take some risks. You have to live, you have to do some things. And I totally get what you're saying about feeling responsible for having a concussion. Um, but, you know, you also said there's no, there's no way to know if that was the cause. You also had COVID. You also have these other diagnoses. Um, there's no way to know if that concussion was directly responsible for anything. So to take the blame on and the guilt on for that is a weight that you don't need to carry because, you know, from where I'm sitting, I would celebrate the fact that you got, went out and did something. And even though it didn't go well that day, at least you did it, you know, and that's, yeah, of course. that's always something to be celebrated for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Tell me about your diagnostic process for uh, POTS and EDS. What sort of tests did they run you through? So for POTS, I went to, I was so lucky, my doctor, I cannot stress how lucky I was to have this doctor because she went out looking for an autonomic neurologist. And usually you get sent to a cardiologist who I also was sent to him and that was not fun. But she ran the whole dysautonomia screening test, which is a tilt table test. Do you know what that is? Yeah, yeah, should we I, talked about that with uh, with Michelle. Yeah, go for it. You okay. never know who's um, heard what episode, so I don't shy away true. from repeating things. <laughs> so uh, there's different ways different doctors do it, but the way I was put through it was I was laid down for 45 minutes when I was doing the other tests, but then they laid me down for another five minutes on this table. You're all strapped in, so you can't use any muscles to stand yourself up. 
they put a bunch of blood pressure cuffs on you. I even had some on my fingers. <laughs> and they take your blood pressure and heart rate every 30 seconds, I think it is. And you're stood up for 10 minutes. Uh, and you tell the nurse that's there all your symptoms and what you're experiencing. And then they lay you back down. And so if your heart rate goes over 30 beats per minute when you're stood up, or if it's over 120, then you have POTS. And there's other tiny, small rules, but that's the main gist of it. So, of course, I was stood up and had POTS. Um, there were some other tests they did, the QSART test, um, which tests for small fiber neuropathy and some other ones, which I forget. But the only thing that came out of that was that I had POTS. And then for EDS, I was sent to a rheumatologist. Um, I, was, <laughs> I was lucky in that at the same time I was going through all this, my, uh, one of my closest friends from high school was also going through all this, and she was also being diagnosed with EDS. So I went to the same doctor who she went to, which I'm so lucky that there was a doctor in my town who actually knew what EDS was, because that's pretty rare to find. And I came into the room and he came in and said, okay, so what are you here for? And I'm like, I think I have EDS. And he looked at me, he's like, are you hypermobile? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, and it says here you have POTS. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you have EDS. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> they of course did all the testing and stuff. There's um, like a sheet you have to, you have to, meet certain criteria for, but um, that was the gist of it. I was diagnosed in that one session, which was unbelievable because I thought it would have taken a few months, but. Yeah. And so you have, you said the hypermobile. Um, yeah. And yeah. that's, that's the type that it's the only one where they don't have a, a genetic marker determined yet. Although there's ongoing research. Um, yeah. Which is interesting because it's the only one that I've talked to people with. I'm, I'm curious to talk to someone with uh, yeah. other forms of, Ellers Danlos. If you're out there, hit me up, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. Um, because uh, it seems like there's just this explosion of people being diagnosed with EDS right now. And yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's pretty wild. It's unbelievable. I, it's, I see like people online being like, this many people can't have EDS. And I don't think people understand that medicine is ever changing. Right. And just because EDS is classified as rare right now does not mean it is actually rare. Um, and I mean, the criteria is still changing. It's still being changed today. They're going to release a new criteria in a year or a few. I'm not actually sure, but it's just ever changing. And I think now that more and more people are learning about it, um, I think through TikTok, uh, more people are getting the help they need, which is incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. And we also still don't know what causes it. And it's, it's like, you know, there was this explosion of cancer after cigarettes became really popular. <laughs> like, what yep. if it's, you know, I mean, th there could be some correlation found someday in the future, you know, that is true. to something yeah. that has become ubiquitous in our society. Maybe it's, you know, 
Apple products. I don't know. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's, you know, that's ridiculous. Uh, but our cell phones are something, you know, like uh, all the radiation yeah. that we're yeah. all exposed to on a daily basis now. Like I, I don't hold my phone up to my ear. I always have it on speakerphone just because I'm just so nervous to have that much uh, radiation by my brain because I'm paranoid about this kind of stuff because <laughs> I'm undiagnosed. So I think everything's trying to trying to kill me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I feel like there's something happening that we still don't understand as a society with EDS. And I hope that we get there someday. Um, yeah. And I also think that, you know, there's just so many people in chronic pain who are undiagnosed or who've been diagnosed with fibromyalgia because that's sort of like a catch-all diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as, you know, I, I don't want to imply that that's not a real thing or that that's like, those people are absolutely in pain. I've been diagnosed with fibromyalgia in the past, even though my doctors now disagree. Um, but I feel like there's probably a lot of people out there that have been diagnosed with fibromyalgia that might have EDS. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, definitely. yeah, we just don't know yet. So keep, keep it up science. Let us know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so how did your life change after getting these diagnoses? Oh my goodness. Um, (laughs) okay. So before all this happened, I was going to take a year off anyway from school. Um, just because online schooling is not fun and it takes a toll. (laughs) And so I was going to take a year off anyway. And I had gotten a job at a daycare center close to my house. I was so excited because I was going to be actually working with kids in person rather than like online teaching my other people that are in my class, which is not fun. So I was so excited. And so it's in September. There was no doubt in my mind that I was going to do it. In September, I went in for the first day. It was an eight hour shift and I lasted five hours before I could not do it anymore because I was in so much pain. I had so much brain fog. I was so lightheaded. I just started like crying in my car during the lunch break and I went in and I had to quit. And so after that, um, I just kind of started rethinking my career choices because I am in music education, but I kind of realized that that's not going to be a sustainable career for me, which sucks. But yeah, I think it's the right decision. I'm going to try to finish out the last two years I have. We'll see how that goes. And then I'm going to try to get a master's in social work because that seems like a better option for me. Mm. We'll see if I have to end up changing majors because uh, music education is very rigorous and I mean, you can hear me right now. I'm starting to sound like a smoker because <laughs> I actually I just learned this today. Someone commented on my TikTok about how EDS can affect your vocal cords. Mm. I had no idea and I looked it up and it can. And it's like, that's why after 30 minutes of talking, like my voice starts to get really hoarse and I can't pronounce certain words as well. It feels like my tongue is too big and it's because of EDS, which is crazy. Um, But yeah, we'll see if I can finish out these last two years. But that has been like a huge, huge shift. And that is another reason why I'm really happy it happened now rather than Mm. after I finished college and was finding out when I got a job. Um, Yeah, so that has been a really big shift. Um, Yeah, I think 
Another big shift is just uh, learning patience, which is hard when it comes to chronic illness because you just want to know everything right away. Because in the spring, when I was trying to figure everything out, I was setting up doctor's appointments and it was like a couple months out. Yeah. I was like, I just need it to be here right now because I'm in so much pain. Like I can't take it anymore. And it was really difficult, but um, I mean, I got through it and I'm here now. So yeah, I feel like I was not this patient before all this. (laughs) I totally relate to that. Yeah. Yeah, Like when back at the beginning of my journey, I was like, you tell me I have to wait months for this one appointment. And then you get to that appointment and then they evaluate, evaluate you for two minutes and tell you there's nothing you can do. And you have to wait months for another appointment. And it just feels like nothing will ever happen. And then, you know, you get used to it after a while because that's just how the system works. And you you recognize that, you know, (laughs) If you don't learn patience, you will go crazy. So you have to. Yeah, it's a really important skill to have with chronic illness. I think also all of this has, it's made me a lot of friends Hmm. (laughs) because I started TikTok. um, I started treating it like a job because I, after the daycare job, I quit. I didn't get another job. I tried to, I applied for some, but of course, when you say you need accommodations, they just kind of look at you funny. And so I tried, but I didn't get anything, which probably is the best because I definitely just needed my body to rest. Mm -hmm. And so I started TikTok just to do something every day. And (laughs) it's funny because I would wake up, I would have my coffee and my cereal, and then I would only get dressed so I could make TikToks. I would not get dressed if I wasn't (laughs) going to make TikToks that day, which it kept me sane. (laughs) And I've made so many friends from like, not only all over the country, but also like all over the world. Um, And I, I wouldn't have made those connections if it wasn't for my chronic illnesses, which sucks, but also it's, it's incredible to like meet all these people. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. You know, I, I think about this a lot and I talk about this a lot about kind of like tricking myself into being happy, you know, and setting, setting parameters for yourself to do things inside of what your body is capable of. And, you know, for me, content creation is it. And it sounds very similar for you where, you know, it's like when, when, before my dog passed away, that gives me a reason to get outside three times a day because he's got to pee. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, like this podcast, you know, this gives me a, a, something on a schedule that I need to get done that other people are expecting from me. And I have to push myself to do it. And it's really good for me. You know, it's really, really good for me. And, and that, and it's just like it, finding things that, that are like that, that, that can bring you joy inside of what you're experiencing are so important. Um, Content creation is also very fickle and very, it can be very upsetting if (laughs) you put your heart and soul into something and it doesn't do well. So learning to detach yourself from that because that's out of your control, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, That's something I love about this podcast is that 
if if anyone listens to this at all, it feels worthwhile to me. It's not like, you know, I also, I have my other TikTok where I make my Star Trek videos and I pour my heart and soul into that. And if, if one of them doesn't get viewed, I'm like sad, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that can be a really, that can be really bad. You know, that, that, uh, that sort of loss of control over your own mood can be really bad. Have you experienced any of that in your TikTok journey? I don't think so. No. Um, I mean, there's been one time where someone said something like they said I didn't put enough research into something, mm. which I had like researched for like a half hour beforehand. And that made me angry. But I like talked to them and figured it out and whatever. But besides that, I think it was it's been more for me just yeah. to keep myself sane rather than for anyone else. Yeah, um, absolutely. Just like people viewing it is great, but I make this so that I, I, I can keep learning and I can, I mean, meeting people is great too. So uh, people viewing it does help, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I really have not experienced that much. Yeah, that's great. And I think that the, the way that I, avoid those feelings is by making things for myself instead of making things for other people. Like I'm going to make this cause I love it. And if no one watches it, that's fine because I'm doing this because I think it's awesome. Uh, if it, there has to be a benefit, an internal benefit that comes no matter what happens once you release it, you know, that's, that's a lesson that took me years to learn. Uh, but it's really, really valuable. And you've got, you've gotten a lot into, advocacy on your TikTok. You know, from what I've seen, you do a lot of um, spreading awareness about disability and, you know, spreading empathy for people going through chronic pain. And that's very important work. How did you kind of steer into that with your TikTok career? So, in the spring and the summer, I, because I wasn't doing anything, once school ended, I had all this free time because I like couldn't go out and take walks and whatever. So I just poured it into, I funneled it into just researching and researching every little thing I could find about what I had just been diagnosed with. And I feel like I have a pretty good memory. And so it all stuck with me. And then when people started asking questions to me on TikTok, I just kind of knew a lot of the answers. And if I didn't, I could quickly Google search and find it. And so I, yeah, I just started making more informational and advocacy videos on that. And people just kept asking more and more questions. And yeah, because I have all this information in my head, <laughs> I just want to get it all out and share it all. Like I just made one about electrolytes because I have been googling electrolytes for months and months and trying to figure out the best electrolyte I can get for the least amount of money and it kind of baffled me that no one else was doing that <laughs> <laughs> which like no one else really has the time to <laughs> I, I'm like not doing anything right now and so I'm like okay what I can do is make these videos and like kind of spread the information I have um, I don't think of it really as advocacy because I feel like 
people who are advocates need to do a lot of research to make sure their information is 100% correct. And I'm just kind of relaying things I see online. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, if it helps people, I'm glad. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's always nice to see a friendly face, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so once you got your diagnoses, was there anything that your doctors were able to offer you as far as therapies or medications, anything that you've tried that's been helpful at all? No. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No. So my EDS doctor, the rheumatologist, I was already going to a PT and I was already on a pain med. He said there was nothing else he could help with. He said that if the pain med I was on didn't work out. I could try another pain med, which I did. It's awful. Um, but other than that, he didn't have anything else to say to me, which was really difficult because I had waited. I mean, it was not a long time. It was only like three months, but which is not a long. I, I got my diagnosis very quickly, but I had like waited a few months for this diagnosis. And I had kind of hoped he had some recommendations for me and he had absolutely none. Uh, My POTS doctor, she did have some medications that I could try. I have tried six so far, none have worked, which kind of sucks because I'm running out of options. But I mean, I I don't think so. It's, It's not like, it's not like it's the worst ever. So I really turn to Facebook groups because people post literally anything there. They have so many suggestions. And so I found two protocols for EDS, the Muldowney protocol, which is a physical therapy protocol specifically made for people with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which is incredible. I did try it for like three months and I did it way too fast. I didn't know you could slow it down, but I did it way too fast and it made my lower back pain worse. So I stopped it and I haven't started again because I'm just trying to figure out if other exercises are better for me. But that's a great one that people have had a lot of success with. And then there is the QSAC protocol, which is more based on a Facebook group and it's a supplement protocol. I also have kind of stopped that, but also people have had a lot of success with that. And then for POTS, I started doing this thing called the CHOP protocol, which I'm blanking on what CHOP stands for. It's some hospital, maybe Cleveland. I'm not sure, but um, (laughs) that is a protocol for exercises It starts out with recumbent exercises, so a recumbent bike, a rower, or swimming. And then slowly after like three or four months, you go to more vertical exercises. I also stopped that one (laughs) because I also did that one way too fast. I, I, my whole life, I have tried to do things very fast. And I'm trying to slow them down now because now I'm finding out that if you do it fast, 
it's going to cause a flare. <laughs> exactly. That's such a hard yeah. balance. It's so hard to learn. It's yeah. so frustrating because it's like, <laughs> I. It, it sounds to me like you experience what I have experienced, which is like before flare up, you can do whatever you want. And then after flare up, if you do anything, you run the risk of causing a, a worse flare up. Um, so oh, you have to it's, it's, it's be awful. super careful. <laughs> is Ellers Danlos similar to fibromyalgia in that they recommend that you get, you know, some light exercise daily to try to help manage the sim- the symptoms? I think so. I'm it's more that they recommend strengthening of muscles. I'm not sure what they recommend of cardio, but um I see. Okay. So with EDS, your joints are so lax that they will not hold themselves together. I see. Okay. And so your muscles have to do the work. And so they really recommend strengthening, strengthening individual muscles with a physical therapist to work on that. So I feel like most, um, most of the exercise people with EDS do are strengthening PT exercises. (laughs) I see. So this is less about chronic pain management, more about keeping your body as functional as possible. It sounds like because that will help the chronic pain. Gotcha. 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 That makes sense. I mean, you know, getting some light movement is so important for everyone. You know, it's for every single person on the planet. Even if you're a very healthy person, if you don't get any exercise, you will become less and less healthy. You know, it's just Mm -hmm. your body needs to move. So uh, it's just so tough. Maybe not for people with chronic fatigue syndrome. I just saw, an article saying that that was contradicted that like there was some protocol for people with chronic fatigue syndrome that um exercise helped and that was um the article was saying that that was untrue and exercise actually made it worse but Interesting. other than that <laughs> yeah and you know i i'm speaking from i guess i'm speaking for myself really oh, is yeah. that like oh, yeah. i i i make generalizations and i shouldn't because i don't know what i'm talking <laughs> about but for me personally the harder it got for me to move, uh, the less I did it. And I started to feel like uh, other things were starting to go wrong in my body that would go wrong in anyone's body were they to stop physical activity altogether. And that's when I was like, I got to really find a way to make this happen, you know? And sometimes for me, it's it's like I stand up, I stretch for three minutes and I'm done for the day. Like, that's it. <laughs> Some days I do nothing at all. But then other days, yeah. like I had a really good day a couple of days ago where I did like some light yoga and then I did some weightlifting and I was like, I'm a superhero, you know? <laughs> it's like I actually, you know, got to do the yeah, thing for, yeah. for a day. And, you know, it's, it's so hard because like whenever you have a good day, it's like, I want to do everything. And then you make yourself way worse and then you can't do anything yeah. for weeks after. So yeah. finding that, again, finding that patience, you know, um, that's fi- finding the self-control to just do a little bit and not push yourself, but to do enough that your body gets the benefit. It's it, that's that balance is still it's it's near it's next to impossible and I'm still working <laughs> on it, but it's it's a very worthwhile thing to work on. And it's like day to day, too, because one, like you can't. Okay, so a few weeks ago, I take a daily walk with my dog. I was before it was zero degrees outside. I take a daily walk with my dog and it's only 15 minutes. It's not that much. I'm not pushing myself. But this one day I got a fever from it and put myself into a flare. (laughs) So it's like it's finding that balance. But you have to like change it day to day. Yeah, it's it's hard. You got to listen to your body. You know, some days 
it's just not going to happen and that's okay. Yeah. And some days it's like, this is the day to try, but just don't push it. I don't know. It's so yeah. tough. And, you know, even just like holding your arms up in the air or just standing up for a second, you know, anything like lying on the couch and wiggling your body around. That's one that I do a lot. <laughs> like I'll just kind of yeah. like lie yeah. down and just kind of stretch in a way that feels good. Just anything to get that body moving. Um, yeah. yeah. Even if it's a, a completely different definition of, of exercise. And like I've said this before, but I try to focus more on movement than exercise. If I'm exercising, I'm having a great day. You know, I'm just mm-hmm. normally trying to get my body moving a little bit. Um, so how has this affected your social life? I mean, I know it, it, this has kind of happened inside of COVID. So this is kind yeah. of a tough question. Uh, but yeah, I'm curious about like the social interpersonal aspect of this because you're only 20 years old and it's so unfair to be so young and have to deal with all this inside of a global pandemic where people aren't hanging out. And then you're also living with all this chronic pain all of a sudden. So tell, tell me about the, like the social aspect of this for you. Um, it's kind of difficult because I, I didn't have that many friends to start with, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, because of COVID and because of going online for school, I didn't really have that many friends because I'm, I'm not someone who like goes out and parties. I'm someone who stays in and listens to podcasts and knit. So <laughs> worthwhile I mean, endeavors though. It's better than partying, <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't have that many friends before I had, I have two best friends and I had a boyfriend at the time, but we've since broken up. We're still great friends, but um, I, yeah, I kind of stopped talking to everyone but my family and my boyfriend and the people I had to have Zoom calls with because when you're not doing something you have to do, you're trying to figure out how to not be in pain. And so I kind of lost all contact with my two best friends, um, which was hard Uh yeah, I, I'm still, I don't know if I'm still dealing with the repercussions of that. Mm. I probably am, but um, yeah, it was difficult, but uh, I'm just, I'm very glad I live with my family because, and I like my family um, because that really helped me not feel lonely. And then after that, um, I just gained so many friends over social media and it's it's not people I can see in person because they live hours and hours away. But I think in the long run, it has gained me a lot more friends that I have things in common with. Yeah, totally. And like you were saying before, you just met so many people through TikTok. Um, <laughs> and it's interesting how those uh, sort of internet relationships, like people you meet through content creation can can be really supportive you know like there's people that i am in touch with through this podcast pretty often uh where you know it's just always nice to hear from them um (laughs) and so many people i've gotten to meet and talk to through doing this show um and i want to have relationships with everyone you know but it's there's like (laughs) at this point we're we're over 40 episodes and it's like wow this is a a lot of amazing people that i've been introduced to you know um which is it's so cool it's so powerful to have these tools at our fingertips. And because of COVID, the tools have become easier to access and to use, which is really interesting. Yeah, it was, it was wonderful. Um, I think it was Halloween. 
I was seeing everyone on Instagram go out to parties, which they should not have been doing because <laughs> it's COVID, but they were anyway. And I was feeling just so lonely because I was going to put on my Panda onesie and hand out candy with my mom. And that's great. I love that. But I was feeling so lonely. So I posted about it on TikTok and there were so many people who said, yeah, I'm feeling the same way. I'm spending I'm spending Halloween with my cat. And I'm like, okay. So uh, my friend Hannah reached out to me and they were like, do we want to do a Christmas Zoom or a holiday Zoom party? I'm like, that is a good idea because someone had recommended it on the comment section of that video. And I wasn't going to do it on my own. And so I was so glad they reached out. And we got together this uh, discord of over a hundred people who wanted to participate in holiday Zoom parties because they were also chronically ill or they just didn't really have too many friends and they wanted to do something in December. And so we got together people from all over the world. We had, I think, five or six Zoom parties in December. And it was really incredible to like, realize that yes it, it's lonely it's isolating but like there are people out there who are going through the same things and who also want friends and because of social media and the internet that is possible so yeah. that was that was great super cool that's awesome do you think about the future like what what do you think about if you think about your future um i try not to <laughs> <laughs> I I am a very anxious person. I used to be much more anxious. I am so much better than I was. But I used to think about the future all the time. I used to plan it out year by year. And then I realized that that's no good. That is no good for me. And I realized that because, I mean, now being a music teacher is almost impossible. It's not impossible, but it's just not the direction I want to go in. And it's really freeing to realize that. And it's really freeing to realize that the future is not set. I can do whatever I want. And that is absolutely terrifying because I need to like make money. And in America, that's difficult, mm -hmm. but <laughs> it's, it's better now that I'm not thinking about the future as much. And I'm just trying to figure out like how I'm going to walk to class next week when school starts. I feel like that is a lot less stressful. <laughs> yeah, totally. This, this is a tough thing. I love asking this question because, you know, I, my, I, I have a similar answer. Like my thoughts of the future became more about the present. It's like, how can I make what I'm doing right now as good as possible? And that, that builds towards a future, you know, it's just, yeah, it, it, it kind of uh, reshapes your path to one that will work for your situation, for your body, for your health, and finding the best way to live each day does lead towards a positive future. It's just not one that's necessarily planned for, it's one that's sort of found. Um, and yeah. I like that, yeah. you know, that feels good. And it's hard to let go of dreams and goals when you recognize that your body is not going to allow for them but it can be so powerful because you can 
accidentally stumble into a path that makes you really happy. And that's the goal is just to be happy. So, you know, it's, it's a weird windy road with chronic illness. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so yeah. my last question for you, if you could address someone who is around your age, who is in chronic pain, um, maybe with Ellis Danlos or maybe just any other chronic pain syndrome, it's just so tough to be so young and to have to deal with all of this. And you are just doing an awesome job of it, you know, and I know how hard it is, but like, there's no, there's no good way, you know, there's no like right way. There's only your best way. And I can tell that you're doing that. You know, you're finding things that make you happy. You're finding reasons to get out of bed, finding reasons to get dressed up. That's so important, you know, like that's huge. Um, so what would you say to someone who's like maybe stuck in a moment of, I'm in so much pain, I don't know what to do, so I'm doing nothing? my goodness i thought i had an answer to this one but you phrased it in a way that i need to think about it yeah take your time <laughs> <laughs> i'm also happy to phrase it differently i know i went a little out there this time i try to i try to mix it up <laughs> <laughs> i love it i love it um i think just taking it day by day which i know is a cliche and I know that's a therapist thing to say, and maybe that's the future social worker in me, but <laughs> I really, I really think just trying to make this day and this moment the best one you can. And that is really hard when you're in pain and you just don't want to be in the moment because the moment is really, really tough. Um, yeah. And not only that, but just doing a bunch of research, doing all the research you can, because doctors don't know everything. Um, the internet knows more than doctors could ever know because it's the internet. So yeah, just using your time to research and make the best decisions for you. And if that means you have to change your life in certain ways, it's just how it's going to go because nothing is set in stone. Another cliche, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some things are cliched for a reason, you know, like <laughs> yesterday I woke up in a lot of pain. I woke up real late and I did not want to get out of bed. And I'm just like, this is going to be a rough one today. But I also, yesterday I released a Star Trek TikTok in the morning and it did really, really well. And I had this day where it's like, I am living my dream today, you know, like I made this yeah. thing that is yeah. so nerdy and so many people are loving it <laughs> and people telling me that like they loved it so much that it brought them to tears. And I'm like, this, <laughs> this is the best. So, you know what? It's today's my day to just treat myself. I'm going to get up real late. I'm going to make a big breakfast. I'm going to have tea. I'm going to watch, uh, I'm going to watch Ryu Car play Mario Maker. I'm going to finish off The Expanse final season. Great show. And I'm just going to take it as chill and as slow as possible. And I just did that for hours. And then all of a sudden, I felt better. And it's like, okay, well, now I have some energy. I'm going to play the drums, which I haven't done in forever. And it was awesome. I'm like, okay, well, now I have a little more energy because, like, this day is really turning around on itself. And then I ended up recording some, like some doing some singing and recording some music stuff. And I haven't done that in forever either. So, you know, listening to your body and honoring where your body's at, 
will yield results if sometimes, you know, and you never know, you never know. Sometimes it doesn't. (laughs) And like, sometimes I'll try things that don't work and I end up in bed all day and I can't get up, like physically can't move and am in so much pain, can't think. And that day is kind of a wash and, and I have to learn the patience to wait and try again the next day. But, you know, every day is a new opportunity to try and some days will surprise you. And I'm still buzzing from the day I had yesterday. You know, it was just such a great day. And I woke up again today. Uh, well, I woke up, I wake up pretty much every day, actually. Uh, but I woke up today <laughs> feeling, feeling pretty okay. And, you know, we've had a great conversation. I was able to do this thing this morning that I had planned. I didn't have to cancel it like I often do. Um, and, you know, you just never know. You know, you just yeah. never know what's around the corner. And giving yourself the space to kind of live inside of where your body's at but finding ways to be happy with that is so possible. It just takes, it takes practice, but it's very doable. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, you know, you're, I, I feel for you that you have to start young because I, I mean, you know, I, my big flare-up happened. Um, I, had, I had some small flare-ups when I was a small flare-up in like second grade, then again in high school. But then my, my really big one happened when I was about 24. So I was, you know, only a couple years older and it was a year long. And then I was able to kind of go back to most like 80% of life is normal. And then this flare up happened when I was 32 and I'm now 37 and life never went back to normal. You know, I'm now finding a new normal, but I was just thinking about before we had this conversation, just thinking about how young you are and how tough that is. And then thinking, well, I guess I was only four years older when, you know, (laughs) I was young once. (laughs) I feel like, I feel like so many people say that, like, my grandma always says like it it's just so hard because I'm so young but I mean you you're you're the age you are like it you feel the same as everyone else when I say I had back pain in first grade people are like oh my god I cannot imagine that but it's your normal like right it it matures you fast but it's the only life you're going to experience so you just kind of make the most of it yes absolutely that is a that is a wonderful note to wrap things up on. Zoe, you did amazing today. I uh, would love for people to be able to find your TikTok or anything else you want to share. So please share with us where you can be found online. Yeah, my TikTok, I actually just changed the username because TikTok did not find my username suitable anymore, which does not make sense. But <laughs> it is zoe.gross, Z-O-E dot G-R-A-S. Awesome. That's easy. And yeah. Anything else that you want to plug? No, that's it. Awesome. Well, Zoe, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, You did an amazing job. I'm really excited to get to know you a little better and to be able to talk to in person and to share your story because, you know, there's just so much that's so relatable about it. And every time I talk to someone who's experiencing anything even remotely similar to what I've been through is powerful. And I know there's a lot of people out there living a similar story to, to what you're going through, you know, either through Ehlers-Danlos or through um, having COVID and not knowing what's going on with your body after. And yeah, yeah it's just also difficult right now. So yeah. getting to talk to you and other people getting to listen is just very powerful. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Major Pain. I'm Jesse Mercury, your host and the producer of this podcast. Artwork by Egg Salad Salad. Our theme music is the song Time Machine from my sci-fi synth-pop album, available at jessemercury.bandcamp.com. 
Send your thoughts or questions to our email address, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use that address to find us on PayPal. Tips are greatly appreciated. Don't forget to leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Find more information about this show or leave a comment on any episode at our website, majorpainpodcast.com. Major Pain is supported by listeners on Patreon. Thank you to our $2 per month supporters, our $7 per month patrons Naomi Adele Smith, Sunny Roberts, Laura Stevens, Brooke Walters-Schmidt, and Kelsey Matson, and our $25 per month producers Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Ensign Q, and Trish O'Brien. Learn how you can support the show while receiving special recognition, gifts, and monthly bonus episodes at patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast.